Welcome to the 5x Growth Podcast, where your host, Carl, brings you the best insights and takeaways from the books I read on startups, entrepreneurship, marketing, and sales. Get ready to level up and accelerate your personal and professional growth with every episode. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Today we're continuing our book, The Minimalist Entrepreneur, and we're moving on to the chapter four. It's called Sell to Your First 100 Customers. And this is going to be the last chapter uh, in terms of this book, even though it has more. But, you know, once you sell to your first 100 customers, you can go get the book and then read what's next. But yeah, we're putting the end for this book. And then we're moving on to the next one. It's called uh, Late Bloomer. And it's actually a very interesting book that I want to cover. But let's get to this one. So sell to your first 100 customers. Chapter 4. The real story of starting and then growing a business isn't really that thrilling most days. Between start and success, it can be a slog. It can take years and it often isn't nearly as glamorous as you expect. But you will have many small victories, and over time they will build into a sense of satisfaction and pride that comes from not giving up. In the last chapter we focused on process and product, but once you have your MVP, it's time to turn your attention to your first customers. If you wait too long, if you endlessly iterate without showing your work to the world, you may feel productive even though you are slowly or quickly running out of runway. That's why it's so important to start. Once you have enough repeat customers, you have product market fit, which is a milestone worth celebrating and a sign you can think about launching. Until then, skip the one-time grand opening and instead focus on the slow and steady journey of selling to your first 100 customers. Sales is not a four-letter word. Until then, treat the sales process as an opportunity for discovery. You think your product is market-ready. It's probably not. You think you figure out the correct pricing tiers. You probably haven't. Turn every failed conversation into an insight. Either you're, taking, either you're talking to the wrong person and you need to shift your focus or there's the right person, but your product still has work to do to solve their problem. Both are good learnings. Learnings you want to have before you start marketing to a broader audience. And the next point is that you need to charge something. I mean, anything. And pricing is hard. In the early days, you may be tempted to give your product away for free or to charge less than the value of your time or the raw materials you used. Don't. In order to stay alive, you need to make money. The only way to do that is not only to charge something, but to charge something that allows you to stay afloat. If you've productized, then you've already figured out an initial pricing structure for your first customers. And pricing, just like every other part of a business, is subject to iteration. Eventually, the type of customer you have will influence how and how much you charge. 
but at the beginning, as you build your solution, keep in mind that you're able to charge in two ways. The first way is cost-based, and by cost-based we mean things that have inherent costs, for example, web servers or an employee's time. If you need to pay a certain amount, you can add a margin, say 20%, and charge that. For example, retail stores often buy wholesale and double the price when they sell it to customers, giving them a margin of 50%. Marketplaces such as iTunes or iStock Photo often go with this method. The second method is value-based. So we just discussed the cost-based and the second one is value-based. It means a feature with clear value. This is charging for something not because it costs you money to deliver, but because it has inherent value for the customer. For example, Netflix may have a multi-screen feature that doesn't cost them any money to provide. I mean, beyond the engineering costs to ship the feature in the first place. But they're, they're able to charge a monthly fee for it. This is how you make that happen. Make a list of everyone. Yes, everyone who has written or shared anything about a similar business. A business launch. A business closure. A new product launch. A date night at that business. We, co- we can call these people subject matter experts. Second, contact them all personally. Offer to walk them through your product or meet them at your store or give them a free meal. With Gumroad, I did this literally hundreds of times. And thousands of creators later, if I see a creator I really like whom think Gumroad could help, I still reach out. And the third, ask for their personal candid feedback. Do not ask for reviews or a social media post or for them to tell their friends. Your goal is to improve your product experience and you should make it clear that you massively appreciate their support. This is about building relationships. You will be doing business for a long time and it is much easier to keep a customer than to find a new one. Never oversell. Be honest, open, and always kind. Show them how you most recently improved your product. Tell them a recent failing. Don't sell them on your product. Educate them on your journey and learnings. Even Katrina Lake, CEO of Stitch Fix and one of Forbes' richest self-made women in 2020, started out with cold calls and cold messages on LinkedIn to potential investors. The more shameless you can be, the sicker skin you have, the better, she says. People are going to not write back and people are going to say no, but every now and then someone's going to be interested and say yes. And you wouldn't have had that chance if you hadn't gotten all the no's first. While you may not be hitting up investors, you will be talking to people over and over again who will say no. The sooner you get used to it, the sooner you stop taking it personally and use those no's as a learning opportunity to be better. I get it. It's awkward and uncomfortable to reach out to people you don't necessarily know personally. 
many of whom will ignore or reject you. My sense is that people who wish to reach customers some other way, like search engine optimization or content marketing, are looking for an out. If that's you, stop. It doesn't exist. Just hunker down and dedicate some time to finding people, reaching out to them uh, personally, uh, like via email, phone, uh, whatever, and being okay with it sucking for a while. Actually, for example, this uh, like point really, really hits me because it's so relevant. And like I've been trying to do LinkedIn outreach, but all the rejections and just uh, people ignoring you really like affected me. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do search engine optimization. This is the way for our business to generate leads and we're just gonna do content marketing. So it's like, you know, outbound marketing stuff. I don't wanna do cold outreach, but <laughs> the guy like says, it's awkward and comfortable to reach out to people you don't like know, uh, but, and like, you may think about doing away some easy stuff like SEO, but he says, no, you should like um, suck it up and just keep doing that. So I really love this message. All right. So don't copy and paste. Each email will refine your ability to write better emails. Done right. You're not only educating customers, but educating yourself about what you can do better. It's a learn-learn situation. Manual sales will be 99% of your growth in the early days. And word of mouth will be 99% of your growth in the later days, latter days. It's not a glamorous answer, but it's true. Things like paid marketing, SEO, and content marketing can come later once you have a hundred customers, once you're profitable, and once your customers are referring more customers to you. Only then. The best news of all is that once you have a hundred customers, you can use the same playbook to get to a thousand. Once you have a thousand, you can use a similar playbook to get to ten thousand. Big network-focused tech companies boast dazzling metrics, but their actual profits, uh, when they have profits anyway, come from a very tiny portion of their total audience. The rest of us might do better to ignore the lurkers and freeloaders altogether and focus on core customers. Depending on the nature of the product or service, Anywhere from a few dozen to a few thousand regular customers will be more than enough to keep a business viable long term. This isn't just about huge SaaS businesses either. It applies to smaller businesses too. Across the spectrum of minimalist entrepreneurs, I see a common pattern. Manual sales, finding your community, talking about your journey, highlighting your customers and getting authentic coverage. If you start with community and you continue to pay attention and solve the persistent problems your community has, then those first customers can take you very far. Growth at all costs is all about selling to strangers so that you can scale. But profitability at all costs means you don't need to depend on strangers to keep your business afloat. 
Instead, you can rely on your existing customers from communities and eventually from your audience. They'll spread the word as they feel comfortable doing so. And that's how you'll grow. The math looks different for everybody, but the goal is the same. Financial independence. When I did it for myself, I needed about $2,000 a month to maintain my lifestyle. If your product costs $10 a month, like Gumroad's, you need 200 customers. That doesn't seem too bad. There are about 260 businesses. There are about 260 business days a year. So you'd get there in less than a year if you acquired one customer every business day. Sell like Jamie Schmidt. Jamie Schmidt never launched Schmidt's Naturals, a natural deodorant brand she founded in 2010. Instead, she celebrated small milestones along the way before eventually selling her company for more than 100 million in 2017 to Unilever. Reflating on her journey, she says, When I'm asked about what made Schmidt so successful, I often say that my customers were my business plan. It started when I listened to those at the farmer's market, and it continued through each step of growth. Staying hyper-tuned in to my customers always guided and served me. Not sales, not marketing. Customers educating and being educated. So let's Uh, finish today's episode and move to key takeaways from this chapter. Launchers are alluring, but they're one-off events I wouldn't bet your business on. Instead, Instead, wait until you have a product with repeat paying customers. Then launch by thanking them. Second point, selling your product or process directly to customers may seem slow, but it is worthwhile. Um, It is worthwhile. It will lead to a much better product because the sales process will be less about convincing and more about discovery. Third point is that you need to start by selling to your family and friends before moving on to your communities and finally, if at all, to total strangers. The further away from you, the harder they will be to convince. Well, that's all for today's episode of the 5S Gross Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and leave us a rating and review. For show notes and more, visit our website at 5xgrowth.com. Until next time, stay focused and keep growing.